0: Um, Do you know anybody that is uh, a bad driver? Anybody know a bad driver? A few? Okay. Uh, If you don't know one, don't point to your spouse. That's not a good idea. Uh, If you don't know one... well, yeah, you probably are one. Um, I think I'm a pretty good driver. My wife tells me I'm a good driver, and yet she'll sit there and hit that imaginary brake on her side of the car. I'll, do y'all know what I'm talking about. Um, I, I do the opposite to her, though. Um, she will be at a green, the light will turn green, and I'm hitting the accelerator on my side. I'm like, come on, would you please go? Everybody else is is going by, and she always says I ruin the gas mileage on her car. Like she likes to get keeps the average, and I ruin it whenever I drive. But um, I, I have this weird thing that, okay, I am very uh, defensive in my driving. I, I'm very alert. There's so many crazies out there. You have to be, right, because they're always cutting me off and doing this. And I'm very attentive and alert in that sense. But then I do something else that's really weird that you can be that attentive, and yet I can be driving somewhere and uh, be thinking about other things. And just last week I was driving to a restaurant, and I just drove right past it. And I I don't even know where I was going. My brain just just let me go somewhere else. And after a minute of driving, I I realized, why am I here? (laughs) And I immediately decided I had to turn around and change directions, okay? Sometimes you realize you need to change directions, um, I mean, even when you're using a GPS, you can go the wrong way. I mean, I had a GPS take me to a dead end one time, and I was like, what, what's with this? Okay, Google, what are you thinking? All right, and I had to, had to change directions. Now, certainly when we're driving, we need to change directions, but oftentimes in our lives, we need to change directions. Uh, sometimes it's easy. It's as easy as turning around and saying, I need to do something different. And other times, it's a challenge, and you don't want to, okay? But you realize you need to. Um, so, something like about me, um, when I was in my 20s, low 20s especially, um, I drank way too much Dr. Pepper. I mean, a two liter a day, and I'm not exaggerating, okay? And they were cheap back then. They're like really expensive now. But, anyways, I, I, this is the way it worked. You may drink coffee for breakfast, okay, or in the morning to get you going. I drink Dr. Pepper. I actually had a coffee thermos that I put Dr. Pepper in to take to work. And so I had it for breakfast, I had it for a snack, lunch, Dr. Pepper. Snack, Dr. Pepper, dinner, Dr. Pepper. In fact, uh, when I was a band director, I frequently got home about 9, 30, or 10. We were up late a lot with the kids uh, doing band stuff. And I would get home, and I'd be out 30 minutes till bed, and I'd be like... I really want Dr. Pepper. And I was supposed to drink it before bed. So I actually had a small cup. It was a, like a coffee cup, a little small cup that I would use because I knew if I had a big cup, I'd fill it up. And so at 10 o'clock at night, I'm drinking my final Dr. Pepper of the day. Now, uh, I discovered that this is not a good way to live, okay? It's not good for your teeth. It's not good for your body. Um, and so as I got a little older, um, my wife started telling me. Anyways, uh, I realized that I needed to make a change, okay? And it was, was not easy for me. It was like, okay, I'll drink less. And then I would go to sit down at a meal. And I'm like, my food doesn't even taste good. Like, <laughs> I, can't, I still can't eat pizza without Dr. Pepper. I don't know what that one is, but I still can't. Um, and here's the deal. It took a lot of time for me to figure out how to work that bad habit out. And, I mean, I, I still drink it some, um, uh, but I don't, uh, I don't, I go days now without drinking it, right? Because I needed to make a change. Now, I saw something in my life that I wanted to be different, and I needed to make a change. And I think that all of us have times when you see things in your life, and you go, I need to change, um, I, I, you see like something with your health, and you go, I need to change. Or you see something with your finances or a relationship, and you go, something needs to change. Sometimes we need to change directions. That's what we're going to talk about, changing directions, okay? We, we're talking about changing directions, because um, there are times when you are at a place or heading in a way that you don't want to go, and we, and we have to choose to go in a different way. Sometimes you may realize that there is... Something about you, emotionally, it's like, you know what, I, I don't want to be stressed out all the time. I need to change directions. I, I don't want to be fighting with my family all the time. I need to change directions. I don't want to feel so far from God. I need to change directions. And when, when this um, realization that something needs to change meets that true desire to change, that's, that's conviction, Okay, just to get some biblically words, okay? And then you're gonna repent. That's another biblically word, okay? And, and and you have this this change that happens in you, okay? So I'll give you a, another easy example. Um, I realized a few years ago. That I needed to make some change in the way I, I like exercise and things. Uh, now, exercise and me have always been a roller coaster ride, okay? I, like, I wanna change, and then I buy a gym membership, and then I don't use it, okay? And then I bought some weights, and then they set on the floor, okay? You know, I bought you know some workout DVD, and then you, it doesn't work if you just watch it, okay? You actually have to get up. And, and so I bought, and I just tried the different things, it's up and down, but about three years ago, um, I was here at the church, and I was down in the youth room, and I had, I had to run down. This is before I was going to preach. I've left something in my office. So I ran down to the office and I ran back. You know, it's not that big of a building. And I get back to the youth room and I'm over here going, Okay, And I was like, I am like about to I die. I feel like I'm, and I just ran that. And I said to myself, something's got to change. And I also started, I realized I was just tired a lot. And of course that partially because I have littles at home and uh, little kids and they do that to you. But I was tired a lot. I just didn't feel good. And I said, you know what? I want to change. And so I went to AJ and I said, we're going to start working out three times a week. And, uh, and we've been doing that now for like three years. And, and so I knew I needed to get help because if someone wouldn't hold me accountable, I wouldn't do it. But there was enough of a conviction and enough of a desire to change that I made a change. I mean, I'm not a fitness model. I'm not that convicted, okay? <laughs> My wife wishes I was, but I'm not, but I, there was enough conviction to bring change, okay? And so there are times when we need to change. Now, yesterday I was praying about this message, and I just felt like the Lord said to me, what if God wanted us to change? Like, what if he wanted me to change? What if the Lord looked at your life and saw you heading in a direction that is not good for you, Don't you want him to speak to you and then for you to change and go in a different direction? Of course. I mean, I hope so. Uh, If you're going in a way that is going to bring you harm, bring your family harm, uh, we want to change that thing. And then even greater than that, may not sound greater, but it is. If I am living displeasing to God, I want to change. If the way I'm living my life is displeasing to the Lord, I don't want to keep living that way. I want to know, and I want to be able to change that. And so there are times that we need to change directions. I, I have some news. This is not going to be a pep talk on changing directions. I'm pretty good at pep talks, but I ain't giving you one, okay? Um, this, uh, the desire of this today is for you to open your heart to the Lord and the Holy Spirit to see what he wants to change in you. Um, If you came to check off a church box um, today, I'm believing that that's going to be much more than that today, that the Lord wants to do something. So please open your heart to see if the Lord wants to do something in you. If you are far away from God today and you feel that you are distant from him, heading away from him, I believe that he wants to draw you back to him. And it will begin by a turning in your heart towards him. If so if you're far from him, I believe he wants to draw you to him. But I know for many of you, you are, you're following God, you're a believer, you, you trust in him. But wouldn't you agree that even when you're serving the Lord that you do wrong sometimes? That you head in the wrong direction at times? That you make decisions that you shouldn't be making and you're doing the same? So we all agree that and what we need to do in those moments is change directions. And so I want to talk about how we change directions. And to do that, I want to show you something that Jesus was known for teaching, okay? Jesus was known for preaching and teaching. Did you know that? Okay, yes, we know his miracles, but he was known. What he did was he went from place to place teaching and preaching, okay? And so I want to show you what his main message was. It says, from that time, Jesus began to preach. And if I was to just go and ask your average person, what did Jesus preach? I know what they would say. Love, because love is the key to the world. I don't know what they say, Something like that, but it's not what he was preaching. Yes, he taught love, but here's his main message. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Now, I don't know about you, but you read that, and you probably go, well, that's nice, Jesus, but I don't really understand it. <laughs> like, you know, it's like, I don't really know how to apply that to my life. Like, the kingdom of heaven is near. Here, that's in Matthew. Here's uh, the way it was said in Mark, Mark chapter 115. The kingdom of God is near, repent and believe the good news. Jesus was saying that what he was telling us is good news. And we're like, okay, I go to heaven when I die. Is that the good news? I mean, it, uh, there's more to it than that. And I think we, we read something like this and it just doesn't settle much because we don't understand it really. And so I wanted to just look at it a little bit more and it's going to help us know how to change direction. Okay. So I just want to start at the very top of this where it says the kingdom of God, the kingdom, of God. what is the kingdom of God? Is it heaven? Yes, but it's more than that. Okay, so let me just think think of it like this. A kingdom, if you think about just a worldly kingdom, okay, with kings and land and all that, is where a king's rule is. This is a kingdom, and it's where a king's rule is. So if you can imagine, we don't really have these kinds of kingdoms today, but, you know, back then, um, when the Bible was written, they would have, like, there would be a piece of land, and this would be where a king was in charge. And in this area, the people served Their king, and there may be another piece of land over here with a different king who rules those people, right? And so these people don't obey their king, right? And these people don't obey; they obey their king. I've explained this to teenagers before. I said, "In your home, your mom and dad make the rules." They say, you can only play PlayStation this amount of time, right? And if your neighbor comes over from their house and says, you need to play less PlayStation, you're going to go, you need to go back to your house because you're not telling me because you're not, they don't have authority in there. And uh, so we, we have a king and where his rule is, um, is his kingdom, okay? And so when we talk about the kingdom of God, this is where God's will and rule happen, okay? Now we're not talking about land, Okay, it's not like Texas is God's kingdom and California is you know <laughs> maybe <laughs> no I'm just kidding no it's not like there's land like that this is this is um, this is different this is where God's will and rule happen now obviously in in eternity we're gonna live completely in His will that's why it's so good okay that's why heaven is so good but. You don't wait till you die to begin to live with him as your king. When he becomes your king, you begin to live in his will and his rule, and you begin to see his blessings and his goodness. See, a good king blesses his people. When you have a good king, you have the protection and the peace that that king provides, and we have a good king. And you begin to live in that when you begin to let him rule your life. So Jesus is telling us, I got good news. You can live in the kingdom of God. You can have the blessings of God in your life. You can have him as your king and his will and his rule in your life, and that's a good thing, he says. So, how does that happen? He says, repent. Yet another word that we don't use a lot, okay? Repent, repent, what does repent mean? Just the basic sense of the word, like if you just translated repent from Greek, um, you know, the word that was used there, it just means, it would mean to change your mind. To change your mind. it, however, in the New Testament, when they used it, they used it more in a sense of changing your mind and going in a new direction. Or one Bible dictionary said it like this. In the context of the New Testament, it primary, primarily refers to a comprehensive change of one's orientation towards following God. Or it's a changing of your orientation of your life and the direction that your mind is going. Okay, so you're changing your mind in the way you think about, in this case, the Lord or about other things, and you understand that when you change the, the direction of something, it's a big deal. Okay, I like to go to um, to the shooting range. I don't know if you've ever done this, but it's kind of fun. Uh, I like to go have a, a couple handguns. I like to shoot, and um, there's one good orientation and a bunch of bad ones. Okay, <laughs> you you only want the gun that way. Okay, if it's aiming any other way, that's a lot of danger and a lot of pain that can happen. Okay, and so because the direction it is is gonna be the direction that that bullet flies, okay? And, and the whole trajectory of is determined by that. And listen, the, d- the direction that you are thinking about things is gonna determine the way that you go. And by the way, when you go to a shooting range, you'll notice, okay, um, I don't have a problem with aiming like this, okay? <laughs> if, I'm, if anybody's doing that, I'm leaving, okay? Because I don't wanna be around that person. But I've also noticed that if I just go, e-, oh, I missed the whole target. You know what I'm saying? That's all it takes. And sometimes we just get our thinking a little bit wrong about God, a little bit wrong about what he wants for us, and it takes us somewhere that we don't need to go. And so what we need is for him to change us, and then we have to repent. That means I'm gonna change the direction and the way that I think about this, and it's gonna lead to change in my life. Then I'm going to go in a different way. So Jesus here talks about something specific, though. He says repent and do what? Or believe. Because the problem is, is they weren't believing. And they weren't believing in him, and they weren't believing in the kingdom. And so what we need to do, this is, the, this is the first thing, is that we repent of unbelief. If we're not believing in him, we repent of that. I know of one, I know this sin for sure will send you to hell. You want know to the sin that will for sure send you to hell? Unbelief. You cannot go to heaven and not believe. You cannot live in the kingdom and not believe. And so Jesus says, repent, change your mind. Change the direction you're going. Change the way you think about me. And repent and believe. Here's the way uh, in Acts, they're beginning to preach to the crowds. And Peter, he says this. He says, repent then. Turn to God. What are we gonna do? We're gonna change my mind and I'm gonna turn to God. I'm not gonna just live for myself. I'm gonna turn to God. So that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. This is a, this is a verse, a message for you right now, if you are away from the Lord, that you can turn to the Lord, that you can change your mind. And right now, you may be living, you know, just doing life and doing all this stuff and and you're not believing and trusting in Him and when you change your mind, and that means you repent and you turn. Now I believe in Him and I head in a different direction. And this is amazing. When you believe in Him and you put your faith in Him, first thing that happens is your sins are wiped out. You know what it means to wipe something out, right? I mean, just bring a box of Krispy Kreme donuts to a youth service and say, y'all can have them if you want. They'll be licking the box, okay? There'll be nothing left, they'll be wiped away. And I'll tell you something, when your sins are wiped out, they're gone. He forgives them, and that is why there is refreshing. Oh, it is refreshing to know that you are forgiven and that you are loved and and that you're right with the Lord. And so it begins with this, that we repent of unbelief, we turn and we face him, and we believe, and he, he wipes out those sins, and he, he brings us to him. And if you're far from God, turn to him. You can do that. And, and here's the thing. You, you do it in a moment, and it changes the direction of your entire life. No other thing can you change your mind about that will affect your life like this. No other thing can you change that, that will, will change you like this. Now, I know in this room, we're mostly looking at people that have believed and do believe and you trust in the Lord, and He is your Savior. But do you still sin? Then we still need to repent. If you um, ever do things that the Lord does not want you to do, we still need to learn what it means to repent so that we can really live in His kingdom and what He has for us. If, If there's anything in your life that the Lord would have you do different than you currently are, We need to learn to repent, and that is every single person in this room, okay? And we all do things that the Lord would have us change, and he is constantly working on us, and this is going to be a process throughout our life that I'm going to show you that will help us. Um, And this is something that you see all through the scriptures, that we are constantly finding things in ourselves that we are removing and changing and heading in a different direction. You may say it, casting off the old and putting on the new. Uh, not walking according to the flesh, but walking according to the spirit, okay? Here's a way uh, in Romans 12, it's gonna say it really similar to this, okay? Do not conform to the pattern of this world, okay? We don't wanna be like the world, we don't wanna live the way everybody else does, the way the world says we should live, don't do that, he says, but be transformed. You wanna be transformed? I think we do, we want the Lord to change us. (laughs) By, how do we do that? By the renewing of your mind. That sounds a lot like repentance, okay? That I'm changing my mind, I'm gonna let it be renewed so I can go in a different direction. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. When you're living in the kingdom, you are living in his will, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. This is what God wants us to do, to be transformed, to be changed. And that's, that's why, I'll tell you what, we come to church to be transformed and to be changed. And so we come today to see, Lord, do you want to change me? How can you change me? How can you transform me? And um, we want to be different. So I believe that there's a step that comes before repentance. That there is a key that we need if we want to be able to repent. And that step is conviction. That's exciting. (laughs) Right? I know this morning you woke up and you were talking to someone in your house. You said, I just really hope he preaches on conviction today. Please spend the rest of this message talking about conviction because that's so exciting. No, nobody likes this word. Nobody wants to talk about conviction. But here's the thing. We think that conviction is a bad thing. Conviction is a good thing. <laughs> I know it's a good thing. I'll tell you a couple reasons. <clears throat> the first reason I know is because it is one of the works of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is described as your, help for, your helper, okay? He helps us. He helps us, okay? And he's our advocate. So he's a helper, and this is what it says about him. It says in John 16, 8, when he, and in the context, is the Holy Spirit, okay? When the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin, righteousness, and judgment. This is one of the things that the Holy Spirit does is he brings conviction. Conviction, if the Holy Spirit is doing it, it's a good thing, okay? And so what he does in you is he brings conviction. But, I mean, it's easy to see sometimes in your life if if conviction and change would have happened, you wouldn't have made a lot of stupid decisions. Do you know what I'm saying? When I was... Uh, in my freshman year in college, they did this thing where they like give you credit cards. Like, I'm 18 years old. I'm, I, I remember the day. They had an ad said, get a free pizza if you sign up for a credit card. And all of my friends were like, yes, free pizza. I didn't care anything about the credit card. I was like, I'll get one, whatever, but free pizza. And they're literally giving out credit cards like this, okay? <laughs> and so I got my first credit card, and all my friends, we got credit cards. And um, I, I saw... And, and a few of my friends, they, were, they took these credit cards, and they just started going, beep, beep. They're buying all kinds of stuff, eating great meals, beep. They're doing all, they're living it up. And then they got another card, and the, the beep, beep, and they're just buying all this kind of stuff. And, and, and then I got to see my friends, more than one, um, get to the end of the limit that the credit cards would give you and realize, uh-oh, I'm in trouble, okay? And here's what I know and from talking to many people in this situation. They wish they could go way back to that first buying something I don't need and can't afford and have made a different direction. And what we need in those moments is the conviction of the Lord to say, "Uh uh-uh. That's not a good decision, okay? And so many areas in your life, you can look back to a time when you made that first wrong choice, and boy, wouldn't it have been great if the Holy Spirit was speaking to you or you may have been, maybe you would have listened to him and, and wouldn't have made that choice. So conviction is a good thing. Now, let me tell you a little bit about how conviction comes, okay? I'll give you three ways really quick. Number one, conviction comes by the Holy Spirit. I think we just talked about that. You've, you've experienced this probably in your life. You're about to make a decision, and the Holy Spirit says something, don't do that. And you, you, it's just an inner knowing from the Spirit, this is not something I need to do, okay? And you, you've experienced that. This is not just a, a don't do, by the way. This is a, he's telling you to do something, where he's convicting you and saying, hey, I want you to change. I mean, I, I went through, you know, things, times growing up where the way I worshiped the Lord was changing. And I, I would be in a service and I would just kind of, you not know, sing, you know. And one day I just felt a conviction in my heart. The Lord said, I want you to worship me. And I was like, well, I'm standing here. <laughs> you know? no. oh, and, and it's just a conviction that he, uh, and, and what did that bring? It brought change, it brings change. And so he'll, the Holy Spirit will convict you and you learn to listen to those convictions in your heart. Oh, here's the next way, um, it's through, through the scriptures, through the word. And whether this is reading or hearing the word, like we're hearing now or you read it yourself, then he can bring conviction in you um, by hearing the word. And the next way is through a, a spiritual friend a spiritual friend, whereas there's people in your life um, who will look at something in you and say, hey man, what are you doing? I can tell you how many times I've had a friend that helped the Lord use to bring conviction. And this is why you need to be in spiritual community. Okay, You need to be intentional about being in a community so that the Lord can use people to st- help you change directions, okay? So those are those are three really big ways. And so the way that this should work is that conviction comes, and conviction leads to repentance. That when I'm convicted, it leads to repentance. And when we repent, we live life in the kingdom. Okay, so repentance, or sorry, conviction leads to repentance, repentance to life in the kingdom. And let me just show you some other ways that this might be said in Scripture. Jesus said, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. So he says, when you hear the word of God, that brings conviction. And he says, when you obey it, repent. Okay, you you change your mind and you decide, I'm gonna do this thing. Then he says, you are blessed. That's life in the kingdom. James, Jesus' brother, he writes very similar things. He says, don't just hear the word of God, but do it. He says, if you remain in the word and you (laughs) apply it, you do it, he says, then you are blessed. It's the same thing. When we hear his word or his conviction comes through the Holy Spirit, we obey it, we do it, we apply it, we change and go in a new direction. Then we see his blessings. We see the kingdom of God in our life. This is the way that it works. But there is a problem some problems, let me go through that. Okay, problems that we have, and I wanna help you see them so that you can overcome them. The first one is, we don't get convicted. We don't have conviction, and there's a couple reasons for that. Number one is, we're not in his word. We're not faithful to coming to worship and be in community, and we're not faithful um, to, to the church. We're not hearing enough to change. We need to be convicted. And um, so, I, had a, I knew a guy, he got saved, Really baby Christian, never been in church? Started reading his Bible, okay? And he, you know, he's trying to learn and do the Lord. He reads and it says, do not get drunk on wine. He goes, you can't get drunk? <laughs> he said, he, I remember saying, is drink is getting drunk a sin? I mean, <laughs> and, and this conviction came because of reading the word. And if you're not in the word, you're not hearing, there, you may not even know the thing that you are doing is against what God wants. So we need to be in it, we need to know it, we have to let him bring that conviction. Um, Here's a, here's a big one, I think, especially for those of us that have been in church a long time, okay? Because you know what the Bible says, right? You're calloused. We get calloused. You all know what a callous is? Well, any woman that wears heels knows what a callus is, right? You get a new pair of heels and it rubs that spot, and eventually you kind of get a, a spot there where it's more tough. I, we have a couple teenagers. We go to camp, and they run around barefoot the whole time like I don't, they're running through rocks and they're barefoot i i, I wear shoes in my house I, I hurt my feet i'm like i got to see the bottom of their feet it must be cows. my I, my hand on my left side where i play guitar this i can't hardly feel anything in my fingertips because i have th- calluses from the strings for when I first started learning I could barely play for more than 15 minutes because my hand would hurt so bad now it doesn't hurt anymore because it's thick it's and it's not sensitive anymore I have calluses and this is what happens the continual rubbing on this made a, a, a place that's not sensitive and we continually have been surrounded by the same junk to the point where we don't feel it anymore and this is what we say well it just doesn't bother me I mean, I'll see somebody's playlist and what they listen to, and I'm like, Ugh, how can you listen to that music? It just doesn't bother me. Did you see that that's a problem? Well, how can we watch this stuff? How do we entertain ourselves with the same stuff that the world does? Well, it doesn't really bother me. That is a callus in our life. And so much of the time, we are so used to something that it doesn't bother us where it used to bother us. And so I'm going to just give you a little, little help on how to overcome that. If you can actually, did you know you can soften calluses and work them off? One way that you do that is you soak them in water, hot, warm water for 15, 20 minutes, and then you can begin to, they'll begin to soften, okay, and there's ways you can do that, okay. Um, what we need to do is we need to soak in God's presence and in his word, the water of the word. We need to be in that, and as you spend time in it, as you spend time in worship, you spend, what happens is he'll begin to soften those things, and he'll bring up something that you've been doing and you didn't even think about, didn't even feel bad anymore, and all of a sudden in your spirit, you'll go, that needs to change, that's what he can do. He can bring the conviction. But I think that the next problem, and maybe even bigger problem than this, is not that we don't get convicted. We get convicted, but then we get stuck right here, and we don't we don't move forward. We get stuck in conviction, and um, we get convicted, but it doesn't bring any change. So I think the best way to help you understand this is just give you some examples. There was uh, a little while back, there was somebody who was mad at me, and. Um, I didn't think I did anything wrong, you know. <laughs> That's the way that usually goes. I thought like, I don't do anything wrong. And I don't really see them a lot, so I was like, I don't really care that they're mad at me. It's not really affecting me. I'm happy. I mean, whatever, whatever. And um, I, I was just going to kind of let it be, you know. They'll get over it maybe or whatever. And um, I just had this feeling in my spirit, like, you need to go make things better with them. And I thought, I don't want to. <laughs> and, 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 uh, and I just kind of moved on. And then, again, later on, I thought about this person, and, and then I, I just felt again, you need to go make things better with them. And I thought, I don't want to. And then I'm doing my daily Bible reading, and I'm reading, my, reading the Word, and I read where Jesus says, you know, if you're at the altar and you realize somebody has something against you to leave your offering and go make it right, and I'm reading that, and that person comes right to my mind, and I go... I don't want to. <laughs> and I don't want to have that. It's going to be an awkward conversation. It's going to be uncomfortable. I didn't do anything wrong, and I'm going to have to pretend like I did. I don't, I don't know how it's going to work. I was like, I don't want to do this. But, and I just kept, this is what we do. We just keep pushing that conviction off until eventually you get calloused, and it doesn't come to you anymore, okay? And, and I did eventually listen to the Spirit and make that change, okay? And so we have to listen. Um, I was trying to think of examples, and I didn't really want to share this one, but I think it'd actually be relevant to maybe especially some younger people or single people. Um, so when I was like 17, 18, I don't remember exactly, I had a girlfriend, and uh, I had this Bible verse I liked. Um, it goes, I greet one another with a holy kiss. <laughs> and I just ignored the holy part. <laughs> and, uh, and so I was, I was with my girlfriend, and we were obeying scripture. <laughs> um, <laughs> you'll catch what I'm <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> sorry. And um, I remember when I left, um, I just felt this in my spirit. It was like, you're lusting after her. And immediately said, no, I'm not. It's just kissing. Kissing's not a sin. I know a verse, okay? Like, and, and then the next time I was with her, and you know, we're kissing or whatever, and I just felt this thing in my spirit. I said, you're, you're lusting after her. And I said, immediately, I was like, no, I'm not. Kissing's not a sin, and I just kept fighting the Holy Spirit as he was trying to say, I know what he was doing. He was saying, you're on a path and you don't want to, that path does not go somewhere good, okay? And he was trying to redirect my life and I just kept trying to ignore him. Now I'm thankful that relationship ended before that path went anywhere because I was not listening to the Holy Spirit when he was trying to speak to me, right? And, and this is how it works. We, we, we hear the Spirit sometimes and we just ignore it. And we, we even use the Bible to, <laughs> apparently to say, oh, no, no, I don't have to listen to that, that can't be you. And, and we need to not do it. Okay? I, I think most people can relate to this. Have, have you ever been convicted that you need to spend time in the Word or time in prayer? And then, like, you're in a service, and the whole thing was about prayer. You know we do that. And, uh, and we preach, and it's all about prayer. And you're like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray tomorrow. And then you don't pray tomorrow. You know what I'm saying? And so we, we, we've been there, okay, where this conviction did not lead to repentance. So we need to figure out how to take it from not here. Not just here, but take it to repentance. Because just conviction does not help you, okay? In fact, when you're convicted over and over again and ignore it, that's actually very harmful to you because you learn to ignore the voice of the Holy Spirit. And so um, I want to show you uh, something that Paul wrote about this and how that we actually repent. It's in 2 Corinthians. I'm going to kind of set it up. So we have... 1 Corinthians, okay, was a letter that he wrote to the church in Corinth. And in 1 Corinthians, he gets on to them pretty good, okay? I mean, he's like, you guys are doing this wrong, and y'all are doing this wrong, and you're sitting like this, and it's, it's pretty rough. And then, apparently, this got to them, and they realized that they were not doing right, okay? And it brought godly sorrow, it brought conviction, okay? And so now in 2 Corinthians, this is what he says, yet now I am happy, not because you were made sorry, but because your sorrow led to repentance, Apparently there was a conviction and a sorrow in them, and it led somewhere. It didn't just stick as sorrow, oh, we feel so bad. No, it led to somewhere, it led to repentance. He said, godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. So apparently there is a, there is a conviction and a sorrow that brings repentance. So here's the, where we get a problem. As we will get convicted, and what do we do? We push it away. It's like this, you're you're doing something or whatever, you're in a moment and you just feel something of the Holy Spirit and immediately what I want to do, I feel convicted, I don't like feeling bad, I don't like this, get rid of it. I mean, I'll hop on my phone and watch some video, I'll go do this other thing, I'll think about something else, I push it away. As soon as I can get it, I push it away. That's not what we should do when we feel conviction. When you feel conviction, you want to lean into it. And Why am I feeling this conviction? And we don't like that because it sometimes looks like Sorrow. But godly sorrow brings repentance, and it's good. And so we need to, we need to lean into it. Sometimes we even, we even use uh, the Bible to not feel bad about it, or our beliefs. And we'll go like this, like, well, God doesn't want me to feel bad, so uh, I, I'm not going to feel bad about that, about our own sin. And we say, well, you know, he forgives me, so I don't, need to, I don't need to worry about it. And I'm not talking about piling on guilt to you, and that's not the goal. But here, uh, I don't have this on the screens, but I want to read this to you. James uh, chapter 4. Verse eight, come near to God and he will come near to you. That's good. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Now listen to this. Grieve, mourn, and wail. That's nice, right? <laughs> Doesn't he want me to be happy? Yes, he does. But he says, grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. All right, this is the same Bible <laughs> that says that he gives us peace and gives us joy. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Why, Why is he saying this? Because when we are displeasing the Lord and we're living in sin, we, we don't need to just be like, yeah, he forgives me, it'll be all right. We need to let that sit. Now, I'm not talking about staying in gloom and sadness. You, you, you're that way until you repent and you go in a different direction. When you start stepping in this direction, you remember I am forgiven and I am saved and he loves me. But as long as I'm going this way, I should let that, I should, he says grieve, mourn, and wail, okay? Um, and, and, and just let that conviction change me instead of pushing it away. Here's a weird Christian thing, okay? We feel good because we feel bad. Let me explain. You're in church, and the preacher says something, you go, oh, man, I feel so, man, I need to change. Oh, are you gonna change anything? No, but man, I feel bad about it. Like, And we feel so good that we feel bad that that's enough for us. You know what I mean? It's like, a, I feel so bad about that. Mm. Well, what do you want after lunch? Okay. <laughs> and so we, we, we feel good because we feel bad. And that is a weird thing we Christians do. That is not the point in conviction. We're supposed to change. And so here's, here's the difference. We, we need to truly repent. We need to let this godly sorrow that brings salvation. Now, there is a worldly sorrow. Um, and that, I believe, is, is this, where um, we're sorry because we got caught or we got in trouble. You know, I was doing this thing, and my wife found out, and the whole thing, and, and, and we're sorry about that, and we feel bad about that, and what that leads to is me trying to hide it better next time, that brings death, okay? But when we are sorry because of this, because I've grieved the Lord, because I've displeased the Lord, that is a different sorrow, and that sorrow brings real repentance, and sometimes I, I have to look at things in my life and go, I'm not just hurting this person, or hurting, I'm, I'm, I'm grieving the Lord, and that sorrow brings change. So I have one last thought on repentance and change. Have you ever been convicted and you repented and you're going this way and then you did it again? And so you got convicted, I need to stop, and you're repenting, and then not and then, you did it again. Anybody ever been here? You know what I'm talking about? And you're just kind of doing this whole cycle and say, like, I don't know why. And it's like, is the Lord getting tired of me? Or what, how, okay, I'm going to show you something that Jesus taught. He was teaching his disciples. And he says this, he says, if your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. If he sins against you seven times in a day and seven times come back to you and says, I repent, forgive him. Now, this is a very difficult teaching on forgiveness, okay, because when someone sins against you seven times in a day, you don't want to forgive them. You want to smack them, right? Uh, but this is what he's telling us to do. But I have just a, thought, a question for you. Do you think that Jesus is calling you to a higher level of forgiveness than he himself has? Absolutely not. And, yes, you will repent. And there may be a time when you go back and you do that very thing again. And maybe it's a real struggle for you, and it's been for a while. And you've had this thought, is he done with me? He's not. He, He loves you. And he will forgive you if you do it seven times in a day. Now, I'm not talking about a fake repentance. He knows if it's fake. Okay? just like, you know, the officer pulls you over and, and you say, officer, I'll never speed again, all right, until he gets around the corner. He knows if you're lying to him, okay, the, the Lord does, and he, he knows if it's a genuine repentance and, and you're going to begin to walk. But listen, when, we are, when we're repenting and we're truly going to him, it's not like the enemy goes, man, they repented, I can't tempt him anymore. No, he's going to come after you, okay? But when we find ourselves back in the wrong direction, what do we do? We let that conviction set in again and say, Lord... I want to change. And we let it turn us and bring us into a different direction. What if God wants to take you in a new direction today? You realize he can take your family in a new direction if you let him change something in your heart? it take you in a new direction. He can change um, so much in your life. We just had a series. We talked about all kinds of things, right? We talked about time. We talked about money. We talked about um, health. And... This is, again, see, some of us, we may have been convicted in those moments, and then we didn't change anything. We need to repent, change our minds and head in another direction. (laughs) Over and over in my life, there have been moments when I changed directions, when the Lord said, I want you to do something different. Sometimes it was, I want you to stop because going that direction is going to hurt you. And this morning, there may be some of you, the Lord is saying to you, I want you to stop. And I want you to turn and I want you to go this way. Stop. Some of you, he's trying to get you to do something. He's been speaking. To you. You've had something in your heart. and You kind of push it off. I need to go. I need to do this. I need to commit to the Lord. I need to be faithful to church. I need to be a part of something. And, and, you, and you're just pushing it off. And he's trying to speak into your heart. And the Holy Spirit does this. He convicts. And he wants you to change. And it, and it, it begins in a moment. This is so powerful that Sometimes we're like, man, I'm so far away from where I want to be. Well, it starts by turning, taking a step in that new direction. And he'll bring you where you need to be. But you got to start letting the conviction and turning of the Lord happen in your life. I want to real quickly just speak to anyone who feels they're far from God. You just feel like, man, you and God are, are far. I want you to know that he wants to be close to you. And that can begin today. So this is kind of the way this works much of the time. If we're talking about being far from God and drawing close to him and something in your heart just f- feels a little different, you're like, I feel like that's me. That's the Holy Spirit speaking to you in this moment. And he's trying, he's convi- it's not like a harsh conviction. It's him drawing you saying, hey, I want that. I want that. And I want to encourage you in just a moment, we're going to pray. And if you're far from God, I want you to come and find someone to pray with you. Tell them I'm far from God and I want to draw near to him and they'll pray with you and it'll be a a turning. I know that many of us have some area in our life that we need to to change. We need to change directions. And this this is helpful message with, you know, look at the lines I drew and all that. And it's good head knowledge, but there's nothing like letting the Holy Spirit actually do the work in us. Don't think, yeah, I'll pray about that later. no now. (laughs) Now is when I let the Holy Spirit begin to do the work. He's speaking to you now and He wants to do something. So look, if there's a change in you that needs to make, I want you to let Him do it. We're going to take a few minutes. We're going to worship. We're going to pray. This is the most important part in the service because this is the part where He works in our spirit and does something in us. So as we worship, I want to give you a few things. You can just, where you're at, worship the Lord and just say, Holy Spirit, what do you want to convict me of? And listen be, he will often speak to you right now. You can come and let somebody pray with you. If you've got something going on in your life, you need the Lord to move or you need him to help you go in a new direction, you can maybe see I'm going the wrong way. You don't even know how you're supposed to turn. Let him begin to minister to you. You can also just find a place to spend, to kneel. There's plenty of room up here to kneel before the Lord and pray and let him touch you. But let's let the Holy Spirit do a work in us for these next few minutes because he can bring real change and that change will be life-changing. Life so let's let's pray. And when I when I say amen, we're going to stand and if you need prayer, you can come forward at that time and we're just going to worship for a few minutes.